And 2016, like, ripped me apart, dude. Like, I cried more in 2016 than I had in my entire life put together. And on the other side of that, like, something beautiful happened. Like, I, I started, one, having grace for myself for the first time. Like, finding, and I'm not talking about, like, a like a love, like, I'm, I'm like, an arrogant. Like, it was a very, like, humble love for myself and for other people. And... You know, I've been on this journey since then of really discovering, okay, well, what's on the other side of this? And, you know, it's during that time period that I, that I realized, like, my path is going back and helping people that were stuck in places like I was back in, like, 2011, 2012, 2013, like, during those times. And, you know, I just said, hey, I'm going to find those people that, that they necessarily don't have people that are helping them today. They don't know where to go. They're trapped by their businesses. They, they're working hard. They're building some, something successful, but they're losing parts of their life in this process. And that's kind of how the whole transformation came about where I launched Berkflow. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, it's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies and you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to Passive Wealth Principles. I'm your host, Jake Harris. Today, we have a guest, someone that I've admired from afar. I've been friends with for four years, maybe five years, something like that. Dirk Van Reenen. Dirk is an unbelievable guy. Uh, he's he's one of the people that you just, like, he walks around, and you're like, dude, that guy's cool. And part of it is getting and diving into hearing his journey, hearing his story about, you know, as an immigrant coming to this country with, you know, little to no money, having to stay with other people. And this is like one of those common things that I hear over and over again with a lot of my friends that, you know, started from nothing, came to this country with nothing, and then took those opportunities and leveraged it up into massive amounts of success into real estate, into service-based businesses, into building and having and owning, you know, at the very end of the podcast, we actually got into the last thing about Maris, the 6,500 acre adventure park, the largest one in Texas. So this is a fantastic episode of lots of nuggets. And we actually got really real, some vulnerable and some discussion points of what happens when your business fails, what happens when you, you realize uh, and struggle with self-worth and struggling with an understanding of like you, how 
how you actually really matter. And Dirk walks us through that and his, his process and his journey and how each one of them created the next better version of himself and how he's using that in his business today. So let's jump right into Passive Wealth Principles, Dirk Van Rienen. Dirk, Dirky Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Van Rienen. I am excited to have you on the show today. We've known each other for for a minute. Uh, I want to say yeah. maybe five Several years. years yeah. yeah, four, five, three, right. seven. I don't know. Time is a weird thing to me, but if it's been a little bit of a while. And I've just always been a huge Dirk fan. Like I've been a fan of the way that oh, you thanks, think. Man. The thing, the way that you kind of process things and, and you present information and you take it in and make it very digestible uh, for a lot of people. And actually, I think you create it in, we'll dive into this into the show, but like the way that you even, you know, uh, dive into hiring and how you've taken some of those past experiences and leverage that into what you're doing today. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that and that process. So before we dive into what an amazing guru hire, hiring team builder, you know, process driven person you are, I'd love to get, you know, and for the audience sake, kind of get your backstory. You and I've spent some time together, but it's like, you know, coming over to this country, you know, having all these different experiences. So like, take us through and take a few minutes, take a, you know, four or five minutes, whatever it is that is, give us a little bit of your life story that what has led you up to today, starting back as, as early as you'd like. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, as I think about uh, kind of my life story, what's funny is how things just keep coming full circle. And I've got a whole theory about that that we can talk about later. But uh, I was born and raised in South Africa. And uh, that's actually where my family is from. I'm 15th generation South African. So uh, lo still lots of family in South Africa. And uh, in 1996, I was 14 years old and we immigrated to Texas. We actually moved to a really, really small farming community in the middle of nowhere. I, I would be surprised if any of your listeners actually knew where this place was, but it's called Kroll, Texas. Kroll, Texas, okay? So uh, we show up in Kroll, Texas, and I mean, I think right off the bat, we kind of stick out like a, a sore thumb. You know, this family from South Africa that moves to this tiny little, you know, Texas agricultural town. But uh, I actually come from a, an agricultural type background, even in South Africa. My, that's, that's what my family has done, farming and ranching for, for a long time. And uh, in high school, as soon as we got here, I mean, we really, we had no money. We, we really didn't have much resources. We actually lived with another family for about four months just to be able to get on our feet, to be able to get a, a, a rent house there in town. So I went from... Probably growing up like middle class, upper middle class in South Africa to really just being, I mean, we were, we were broke when we came to America. So um, that was, that was a big lifestyle shift, you know, and, but the good thing that, that came from that is uh, from 14 years old, I worked after school. I worked on Saturdays. I worked, you know, through the holidays, like, you know, I, uh, later on, I kind of realized, especially when I spent some time in Maryland and, and ran a large real estate brokerage there that. You know, in the summertime, people just take off and they go to the eastern, you know, seaboard and like everybody takes off for like two, three months, you know, like for summer vacation. And I just didn't grow up with that, man. Like I, I just worked all the time. But what the good thing is I, I developed this like really, really kind of sick work ethic where uh, even to today, man, I, I love working. I get so much joy and fulfillment out of it. 
um, it's, it's exciting to me. So that was good. Um, you know, from there, uh, I, I went to a, a fairly close university, West Texas A&M. So it's not the, the big Texas A&M that people know. It's kind of a stepchild of Texas A&M. And uh, the funny thing is, you know, as I've reflected about this, uh, coming out of the small farming community, uh, first off, I didn't graduate with a lot of kids. There was like 26 kids in my graduating class, so it's a really small school. But nobody really used to think in terms of going to like a D1 type school, right? For, like for me, that wasn't even an option. I didn't apply to any D1 schools. I, I only applied to one school because I was like, oh, that's that's kind of where you go. So, and then just started this process of uh, kind of expanding my mind and learning about entrepreneurship. Um, worked two jobs when I was in college and ended up actually buying one of the businesses that I worked at. And that was a, a ski and snowboard shop. So I was in that industry for about six, seven years uh, while I was in my 20s, which that was a really fun experience. And then that business failed in 2008. And uh, my business didn't really fail, I think, as much due to the economy, because I know that that's kind of an iconic year for businesses to fail or people getting punched in the face. But nevertheless, you know, 2008 through like 2013 were really, really tough years. Um, also, you know, uh, while I was at college, I met my my wife. She was my college sweetheart. We uh, we dated for five years, got married, had two kids kind of during that, that time period as well. So uh, we, we really went through some hard times um, when we, the first several years we were married and we're having kids. And, and those were really good lessons for us. But yeah, man, after that, um, I was tired of being sick and tired of being kind of sick and tired and broke. And I remember in the middle of 2012, I made an, an active decision one night that I was, I felt like I was missing some information. I'd always been a really hard worker. I tried to do the, do the right thing, work hard, take care of people, but I was missing information. There there was something that was happening that I wasn't tuned into. And, and I just kind of had this thought of like, man, there's a lot of really wealthy, successful people out there that are doing amazing things and experiencing amazing things, but I've never had access to that. And at that point, I didn't really even know really anybody that was really playing at that level. So I just kind of had this thought of like, they must know something I don't know. And I just went on this uh, journey to start reading books. And I guess like that's like my self-development really journey that started uh, middle of 2012 and started reading, started talking to people anywhere I could, hired a coach um, and that that really started propelling my life. And, you know, fast forward a few years later, I had a real estate team that was selling about 120 houses a year. Um, I became a a CEO team leader for Keller Williams and ran a big office in Houston. Um, Then I moved up to... Columbia, Maryland, ran one of the top Keller Williams offices worldwide, uh, resigned from that in 2016. And in 2017, January 2017, I started a company called Bergflow. And uh, I said, look, man, I've, I've learned some really amazing things about building businesses, building teams, uh, growing companies. And I, I just had a heart for small companies, man. Like I'm a, I'm a small company kind of guy. I love the the entrepreneurs that are out there battling every day, these small business owners. Uh, I love service companies as well, like the blue collar type stuff. And I mean, so I said, I want to build a company that helps those people build some amazing businesses. And then uh, a couple of years into that journey, uh, David Osborne reached out to me and he said, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And, you know, a thing like this is probably around the time that you and I met and they said, Hey, we want to hire you to become the CEO of GoBundance. And, I said, well, I don't think I can do that. But if you hire my company, Bergflow, and contract us, we'll do exactly what you want us to do. And I'll be a, an interim CEO for you. So, you know, I did that um, 
you know, kind of uh, start of 2019 through the end of 2020, about two years. And w- during that time, we launched a different company that I sold last year as well. And then in 2020, I got this crazy vision to open Maris Adventure Park. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of been a big, big part of our lives over the last couple of years. But I just went on this journey, man, of just learning and figuring things out and, and studying business and leverage and teams. And, and it's just completely changed my life. So I mean, I went from being completely broken, living in a trailer house outside of Canyon, Texas, you know, in 2012 to today, you know, just living a completely different lifestyle. So that's the, that's the kind of the, the full story and all of its madness. <laughs> Dude, I, I love so many things about that. You know, I want, I want to go back to a couple of questions. Like, um, as a 15th generation South African, what prompted the move from Africa to, it's not Crowley, Crowl, Crowl, Texas? Crowl, Crowl, Texas. Yeah. Crowl. Yeah. Crowl, I mean, Texas. I think, what, um, what, how'd you land a Crowl, Texas from South Africa? If I had a dollar for every time that I've been asked that question, I would, my net worth would be like two X what it is now. <laughs> But I think, you know, for us, uh, one of the first things is, you know, my dad had the foresight to see that things were going to start going south in South Africa. And um, there's several patterns that, that have played out in different countries in Africa that made it very predictable to see what was going to happen next. And so, you know, South Africa was going through a lot of uh, big changes during those years, probably starting in about 1994, 95, 96, around that time. And, you know, I remember when... When my dad decided, hey, we, we want to go to America. And my dad actually, when when he graduated high school, he went on kind of a, a year, probably about like a, a two-year kind of sabbatical. And that's actually very common for people in different countries. So you don't really see that here in the U.S. But um, in a lot of other countries, after high school, you typically take a year off and you go travel before you go to college. And then after college, you may take a year off and, and, and kind of travel again before you kind of settle in for your job and family and stuff like that. So those things are, are a lot more common in, in other areas. So my dad did that and he came to America, America and he traveled, you know, I think he hit about 40 states, you know, when he was, you know, 19 years old kind of back then. And so he always really liked uh, the United States. He always really liked Texas. And that's where we kind of ended up. But he, he kind of had the foresight to see that, the way things were going in South Africa, there wasn't going to be a lot of really big long-term, you know, opportunities. And the, and the country was going to change significantly from the way that it was when we grew up. So we left and a lot of people thought he was crazy. But, you know, fast forward, you know, 20 years later and, you know, people are really battling to try to get out of South Africa to have, you know, a better opportunity. So he did that early enough to where, you know, my my brother, sister and I had the opportunity to kind of go to some, you know, go to high school here, go to college, get educated and really go after building the lives that we wanted to. And that's really what it came down to. I mean, it was literally he believed that we would have a better life in America and be able to be more successful in pursuing the lives that we wanted with the freedom that we wanted in America. That's what it came down to. So you know, my mom and dad gave up everything because, you know, during the time I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, seeing my dad own multiple businesses and really seeing our lifestyles change too from the time that I was, could kind of remember things to the time that we left in South Africa. My dad had started building wealth and, 
you know, accumulating land, businesses, things like that. And um, unfortunately, through some series of events, like all of that was lost in the transition from going from South Africa to America. So they really gave up all of the wealth and the lifestyle that they had built for us kids to have the chance to do that here in America. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you don't realize how big of an impact that is when it happens. But the older I get, I realize like, man, like, you know, if I think about now, I'm about the age now that my dad was getting close to it when they left everything. And when I look at my lifestyle today, and I, I would think of like, would I leave all of this to start over with nothing for my kids? Like that would be a really, really hard decision, you know, but I think when you, when you look at it, it just gives me a lot of gratitude for that happening. And then on the flip side, I, man, like the thing that I'm so grateful for is that I just learned to be scrappy. And like, if I want something, I need to go after it. Like, and I think like, uh, Brian Buffini wrote a book called The Immigrant's Edge, you know, and he studies this. Like immigrants actually have like a proportion, like a disproportionately like higher level of success in most cases than people that are first generation or like second, third, fourth generation Americans, right? So because I think like you, you when you're an immigrant and you're first generation immigrant, you like grow up with this mentality like I can leave nothing to chance. I have to take control and I have to be in charge of this destiny if I'm going to change this for my family. And that, you know, that's, that's for me now. It's like, okay, now it's up to me to be able to set my kids up for a higher level of success, you know? And I think that mindset comes through going through an event like that and kind of having everything turned upside down. And I think, you know, for me too, that's part of also like, I'm not afraid to jump today, man. Like, I mean, like, you know, like I've done some stuff that like other people are like, dude, you're crazy. What are you doing, doing that project, taking on that thing? And I'm just like, dude, I feel called to it and I'm going to do it, period. You know, so I think it it, it just gives you a different mentality. And it also, you also realize like, you know what? If you lose everything, you don't have anything left. Like life doesn't just stop. Life goes on. And one thing I've learned is like, I don't know that I'm necessarily any happier now than I was when I didn't really have anything. I think I may be a little bit more content now, but I don't know that I'm more happy now, you know, with the wealth that I've built and the success that I've built than I was, you know, when, when I was really broken and scrappy. I think it's, it's just something like once you understand that, then it, it, it de-risks everything that you do. So uh, unbelievable nuggets of knowledge in that. Exactly. Uh- I've seen it firsthand, you know, a lot of immigrants and, uh, you know, exactly that, that this is the land of opportunity, but you got to go work, you got to go get it. And I think that, you know, the, let's say soft Americans don't realize, you know, what an amazing opportunity it is in this country, you know, but you still got to work for it. It's not just going to be handed to you on a silver platter. So, uh, I wanted to dive back into, you know, a very big key transformational moment from your story is you said, you know, 2012, you just kind of made a decision to, you know, find this lack of missing information, you know? And I, I think that's a, a very, very true for a lot of people is, they think working hard is the thing that's going to get them to success. And and I'm going to say that I know some very lazy people that are very, very wealthy because it's, they actually structure their life around not having to work hard. Um, And so that would be my thing is like, so what was that? What was that moment? What was that epiphany? What was that first kind of realization? And then what were those first steps? I know you said some books and you hired a coach, but like talk us through a little bit of that process and your mindset of where you were that caused that kind of shift. (laughs) 
Yeah. So after my business failed, man, I, you know, right around that time is when, when Kristen and I had our first child, Jackson. So a promise that I made to her, she always wanted to be a, a stay at home mom, right? That, that was like her, her big thing. And that was really important to her. Um, her and I were both raised by stay at home moms and we were both fortunate that, that, that we were able to do that. So that was really something that was important to both of us and, and something that's important to her. So we went from right around the time the business failed, you know, we, we were Jackson, we, Kristen was pregnant with Jackson. And so we went from kind of two incomes to one income. And, you know, I was making very, very little money after my business failed. I was, I was trying to do everything I could. So we, our lifestyle was like to say cramped is like understatement. Like, I mean, we were broke, you know, and I had decided to to pay back all of the debt that I had accumulated. At that point, I had accumulated about three hundred thousand dollars in debt. I had um, really about thirty five, you know, creditors that I, I owed money to, uh, banks, different vendors. I mean, like all kinds of stuff. So choosing to pay that back and making a little bit of money, and now going from two incomes to one, and now having a kid. Right? It's it's like all of that happened within a very short amount of time. So for, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, going in 2012, I mean, dude, we were like, when I pull up my credit report and I can kind of look back that far, it's like every, like on my mortgage, late, 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 you know, like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 30 days, you know, it's like, dude, for like three or four years, like I was just like trying to survive, you know, and I remember by, by mid 2012, like I was getting tired of this, like, you know, you just get tired of battling and I was working as hard as I could. I was trying to, and, and from the outside, it, it kind of looked like I was being successful, you know, and I was, I was building a reputation for somebody that can kind of like move things forward. But because I had such a high degree of financial pressure on me, I mean, I was paying like 30000 a year in interest payments alone at that point, you know, not making a lot of money. You know, uh, I mean, like my, my, my first year after the, the business failed, I think I made a total of like $40,000. Now I got $30,000 in interest payments alone, right? Plus like mortgage and, you know, everything else. So, I mean, I was going backwards for a year or two before I started even started climbing. And it got to the point that I was just like sick and tired of it. And one night I'm, you know, get home late as I usually did because I was working all the time. And there was a certified letter that was delivered to our house that, that, that day that was an actual like, hey, we are going to sell your house. Like if you don't pay everything up today, I was thinking I was like four months behind on my mortgage. If you don't pay all of this, like your house is going to be sold at Courthouse Steps kind of thing, you know? So, and I just realized like that was the night that I was just like, I am done with this. Like I am sick and tired of living like this, of being like this. And, you know, the, the first thing I did was like, I actually went online and like I started searching stuff. Like how do you make money in 30 days? And like, you know, I was just, dude, I was desperate. Now keep in mind, I didn't have mentors or coaches in my life at that time. I didn't really have no people that could really help me financially at that, like in that way. So lo and behold, I'm like, you know, a couple of hours into like internet search and I find a guy that's probably changed more lives than anybody I can imagine here. But yeah, I find Tony Robbins on YouTube and, you know, he's talking about like, Hey, the way to get what you want is to get really clear about what you want. I'm like, dude, I, I'm very clear about what I want. I need to, I need to pay my mortgage and get caught up. And I ended up on his website and, uh, this is when, you know, there was still selling CDs, right? So this is like pretty, just like download it now kind of thing. And he had this program called the ultimate edge. And I remember it was like this, the ultimate edge is going to help you kind of get whatever you want in 30 days kind of thing. 
And I was like, dude, I have 30 days. So I didn't even have mo enough money to pay. It was like 300 bucks. I didn't even have money to pay for that. But then it's like, but wait, there's, you know, you can get it for like three easy payments of. And I was like, I'm doing it, right? So I bought that and there, th it was like in two days that the disc got to me. And dude, I had, I was listening to Tony Robbins like 24-7. And I like, you know, the, the thing about it is like when you're comfortable, it is extremely hard to make a change. But when you are like laying in the gutter bleeding, it's really easy to make a change because you have nowhere else to go. Right. And you will do whatever. Like, you know, so Tony says, jump up and say, yeah, I would jump up and say, yeah, like whatever. And the craziest thing was, I think because I, I just everywhere I was driving, everywhere I went, I was just listening to Tony Robbins. And what I realized very quickly in about two weeks is I started paying attention to words and I never paid attention to words in my life before. What am I saying? What are other people saying? And all of a sudden I was like, it just like it. It's kind of like seeing the matrix, right? It's, it's all this stuff on a screen and then all of a sudden stuff starts popping up. And I just like started seeing things that I'd never seen before, started paying attention to things that I'd never paid attention before. And like once that happened, I was hooked. I was like, okay, I am going to try to learn as much as I can about all of this, you know? And that led me down a path of starting to study human behavior, starting to link behavior to words to motivation and like that led me into like that that's why I, I felt it fell in love with you know understanding humans and building teams and assessments and you know things like that because all of that is data that's available to us but most people have no clue that that data even exists so you know my thought was if I can get really good at this and I can get really good at understanding humans and how to influence humans and understand humans and help people get what they want and help them succeed then I, that's my path to getting whatever I want in the world and so I went on that path and I just I have not stopped going on that path I'm still on that path of learning that but that that was the moment I, I man thank you for that vulnerability Dive, diving into that I've I've you know, shared some of those moments myself when it was that, you know, you're down in that gutter and you're, you know, I, I, br I broke down. I was crying on a street corner, just sitting there. The world was spinning. I had no way to even understand which way was up. And, um, uh, but to, to, for you to share that, I really truly appreciate that. I, I, I felt that, you know, cause I, I think, you know, being there, are you guys enjoying the show so far? Look, two of the most common questions I get asked are where can I find good deals to invest into and is it possible to invest alongside of our deals as a passive investor? So my team and I wanted to put together an insider list where you can get first access to investment opportunities, due diligence resources, and best practices for those interested in investing passively into deals like the ones we talk about on the show. Those deals are mostly in the commercial real estate space, but I oftentimes get exclusive access to deals of people like the guests on my show. If those deals pass our criteria, we pass them on to those on the list. To gain access to this insider list, all you have to do is go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. We also host events, dinners, and give away VIP access to events that I'm speaking at or attending. Once again, it's www.catchkniveswithans.com and hit the big orange button on the top right of the page. For those that are serious about passive wealth building, we'll see you on the inside. Now, back to the show. 
did you make uh, money in the 30 days or, or did it end up being you had I to did, figure yeah. out some so, other options? <laughs> yeah, th- thanks for following up. Um, within the 30 days, I actually caught up, paid all of it. And within another uh, like two months, I changed uh, brokerages, right? I was, I was doing real estate auctions at the time. I used to own a real estate auction company. And I was doing real estate auctions uh, uh, for Prudential back in the day. And then I, I joined Keller Williams. That's how I kind of got to Keller Williams. And uh, within like another three months, my little bitty auction company actually got a contract with the general land office of the state of Texas. I was one of three companies that was awarded a contract. And dude, I did something like I'd never even been to Austin, Texas before that. Like this is one of the first times I'd ever been in Austin, Texas. And I was there to meet a guy. And I had this this crazy thought that was just like brewing in my head that I was angry about, right? I, I, I was doing real estate during that time, real estate and real estate auctions. And I'm a land guy, so I really love land. And I started noticing that there's these pieces of land that pop up that go for sale that nobody knows about. And they were veteran land board land. So... These were were parcels that veterans had bought through their loans and then the VA kind of forecloses on them if they die or, you know, whatever the case may be. But they were reclaimed veteran land board land. They would go on these auction sites and and these these they were never advertised. There were no signs like I found a 20 acre piece of uh, raw land that was within like a 40 acre track that a guy was farming. No fence. I mean, like if you drove like you would have no clue that there was actually a 20 piece of land there. The land was probably worth about four thousand an acre at that time, and I gave it to one. Uh, I showed one of my investors. He bought it for like nine hundred dollars an acre, because nobody knew it was even for sale. So I started getting pissed off about this. I was in Austin, Texas, and I walked up to the Veteran Land Board office, and I walked in the front door and I said, "I need to talk to your director." And they were like, "Well, what do you need?" And I said, "I said you guys are screwing up the way that you're selling your land right now, and something needs to be done about it." So they said, well, okay. They set a meeting. They said, come back in two weeks. I went in there and I freaking reamed them. Now, I'm young at this point. I had no clue how to have these kind of meetings, but I went in there and read them. I showed them examples of multiple tracks. The director was fairly new at that time, or he had been in about a year. He had his entire team in there, dude. And like, I freaking read them. Needless to say, like, and my whole pitch was like, you need to give me these pieces of land so I can market them and sell them for fair market value and you can get better money out of them, right? So... Of course, I probably pissed them all off. They didn't like me. But what they did say is like, you should go talk to the general land office guys. They're right across the hall. I'll set up a meeting for you. So I walked in there and these were just like two good old boys, like land dudes. And, you know, I was like, hey, I own this like tiny little company. And, you know, they said, hey, we got a bid coming up that we're putting out for proposal. Like you should you should bid on it. Like that's how I got that. But there's no way that that stuff would have happened prior to me making that decision that I'm changing my life and being bold enough to where I can walk into, you know, a Texas office of people that are running some high level, you know, divisions and go in there and kind of like ream them, you know? And of course, you know, looking back now, I'm like, man, there's, there's such better ways I could have handled that. And I've learned from those kind of experiences, but that's the kind of like boldness that it gave me at that time period. And the kind of confidence it gave me to start doing the things that I saw that needed to get done and call it out as it is and have the boldness to do that, you know? And it's, it's just, I've just kind of been on that path ever since. Man, that is, um, you know, so I'm assuming it was like some RFP or something like that for, for the general land office. And you're able to land that with your proposal. Just it's crazy. Yeah. And it was the like, craziest thing. Cause it's like, I never, you know, it was like this thick, right? I mean, it's like the craziest thing I've ever done. And I'm like, 
You know, I remember like staying up to like one o'clock in the morning. Like it's just like me pounding out this little thing. And the other two auction companies were big national auction companies. And then here's my baby little auction company out of Amarillo, Texas. But, you know, we got that contract and like that was like a big boost of confidence too. And, you know, it's kind of like when you have a contract like that now, now it's easier to go to the bank and say, hey, I'm one of the preferred auctioneers for the state of Texas for the general land office. And, you know, so that that also started kind of launching that business. So from from the from middle of 2012 to the middle of 2014, Dude, like our lives changed big time in 24 months, like big time. It doesn't mean like we were, you know, high rolling or anything like that. But I mean, like, you know, now we're at least at the point I was able to buy Kristen a new car. We bought a couple of rent houses. We we're able to start going on some vacations. We were like really starting to get on top of our debt, you know, and, and like it put us on a trajectory to the lifestyle that we have today. But like that's that was that time period where everything changed. I love that just the fact that you took action and, and it's one of those things that, I, I say this a lot to people. Like that's the one thing that I was like, just you're gonna make mistakes. You know, you're gonna walk in and, and ream some director that's there's no way you're ever gonna get work from that. But it's just the fact that you've taken action creates, you know, opportunity and momentum. And it's just that you are now a uh energy of of movement kind of forward. So I, I love that you 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 know, uh, mentioned that. And I wanted to, to kind of take and, and skip forward a little bit into kind of your journey. You CEO of, of a big, you know, uh, brokerage team in Houston. And then, you know, uh, taking that into Columbia, uh, to, to Maryland kind of area. So like, talk me through like, Hey, this is, you've had your auction company, but now you're like running a, a bigger kind of system. How did that happen? How did that you know, process. And then how did that like kind of birth out Bergflow and the, the, the pivot ready teams. And even you have a, a conference coming up, you know, as far as, you know, your, your, I think it's pivot point or something like that, but it's like, talk me through how some of those now running a business CEO kind of level growing that. And then what has led into Bergflow? Yeah. So, you know, it's pointless to try to learn all the things all the time. So one thing that I've learned is pick something that you want to learn for a dedicated time period. So what I did is I kind of picked like two things that I kind of want to study that go hand in hand with each other. And I would spend kind of commit two to three years to say, I'm going to just study these things. So when I decided that, look, I'm, I'm really going to work on making some money and start uh, changing my life, I studied lead generation, like lead generation and team building. Like those are the two things that I studied. How am I going to generate enough leads and convert those leads into enough business? And then how am I going to build a team so that I don't have to be the one doing all the work? Because remember, like leading up to this, I've been working like six to seven days a week, like 12, 14, 16 hour days for years now. Like I, I wasn't around when my son was was little. Like I don't remember when he was like one or two years old. I don't have a big recollection of that time period because I was working all the time. And that was really hard on, on Kristen. And so I was like fed up with it. I was like, look, here's the deal. Like I got to make money and I, could, I, I cannot be working all the time anymore. Right. I got to start spending time with my family and having a life outside of this madness. So it wasn't just about how do I make more money? It's like, how do I get my time freedom back? Like, how do I leverage? Right. So I studied that for, for two years and, you know, got really good at finding leads on real estate deals, getting those leads done and then building a team that can that can actually run the business. So 
from kind of start to the point that I left uh, Amarillo, I mean, in, in about two years, I built a team. Uh, I think we were up to about 11 agents on the team and had people that could run the team without me being there. So you go from that to now running a brokerage as, as you know, Keller Williams world, they call it a team leader, like traditional world would call it a CEO, right? You're, you're like the CEO of a brokerage. And, and now I go to Houston and now instead of having this team of like, you know, 11 agents, I have a team of essentially, I think there was like 180 agents when I got to Houston in this market center in this brokerage. And I just applied everything that I'd learned over the, the the previous few years and just went in there with like high degree of focus. And I mean, I didn't go into that office with the mindset of like, hey, I'm just going to kind of learn everything and take my time getting into it. Dude, I jumped in and like from day one, I just started going, right? And uh, in about the first like six months, uh, besides one person, I turned the whole executive leadership team, hired hired a new team, uh, expanded about double the size of our office, hired a new agent leadership team. I mean, like I was just like in it, right? And uh, we kind of went, we we like that office had, had kind of gone up to like 190 agents, 195, then like back to 170. Like up, I mean, they'd been yo-yoing for several years and like the 200 agent mark was something they'd never broken before. And like I went in with so much momentum that, I mean, when we started growing, we went past like, you know, in, in like 12 months, we went from like 180 to I think like 230 agents or something like that. I mean, it was all of a sudden people were kind of looking around and being like, what the hell happened in Pearland, Texas? Like what, what's going on in this office, you know? And then I had the opportunity to go to be a CEO at, at one of the top Keller Williams offices worldwide, you know? And I went from a place where, you know, we had a little over 200 agents to when I got to, uh, Columbia, I mean, they were already at like 450 agents, you know, like they're doing like $800 million a year in sales. And, and during that time, you know, when I, when I kind of went into this time period, my focus started shifting that I wanted to study leadership and wealth building. So like 2016 is, is like really 2015 is like the first year that I actively decided I want to study wealth building. I want to learn how to build wealth. And I also want to learn how to be a higher level leader. Now, you got to be careful what you ask for. Because when I got to Maryland, dude, like I, I went through a grinder because I thought that I knew, like I, I thought I understood leadership. And what, I, what I'd done before that is like my leadership was kind of forceful. You know, do what Dirk wants to do, tell people what to do, all that kind of stuff. And I was in environments where people were very responsive to that. I got to Maryland and, and like the leadership there was at a higher level than I was used to. So I went into an environment that had a higher level of, of expectation around leadership than I was even ever had been in, had experienced, anything like that. And dude, I went through a grinder, man. I was ripped apart. And the good thing during that situation is um, Mike Zwarek was the, the the owner of that that office. And, and he became uh, really instrumental in mentoring me and coaching me. I also had uh, Cherie Lowry as a, uh, as a leadership coach. And she was one of the top leadership coaches in the entire Killer Women's co- country. I think I was the only CEO level person that she that she coached. Everybody else was like way above like my kind of ranking in the company as far as like positions. Um, but I got some strings pulled to to be able to get her to coach me. And and so during that time, for the first time in my life, I I started really looking inward at a deeper level. And I, I discovered some really big things about me. And and one thing I discovered was like I was like. I was looking at the world through this lens of the only thing that matters is production. The only thing that matters is being able to get shit done and get results. And that's the way that I judged myself. And that's the way that I judged everybody around me. Like I was, you know, 
a couple of years later, after I went through this transformation of just like finding love for myself and finding care for myself and not trying to just beat myself up all the time, I had completely shifted how I approached people and situations and things like that. But I, I had a, a, a girl that worked in my real estate team in Amarillo for, for several years, and she actually relocated her to, to Houston to start an expansion team for me there, uh, uh, Malia Ware. And she's freaking awesome. She She's high level with a big private equity company today. Like She's just an amazing person. But she told me, she said, Dirk, for the first like three years that I worked for you, every time that I saw you like coming to the office, I was scared that you were going to fire me. You know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, really? Like, I thought I was a nice guy, but like I was so focused on production. If you weren't producing like you were a piece of shit, like that was like my mentality. And like that was just like and I think it was just from being in a survival mode for that long. And 2016, like ripped me apart. dude. Like I cried more in 2016 than I had in my entire life put together. And on the other side of that, like something beautiful happened. Like I, I started one having grace for myself for the first time, like finding, and I'm not talking about like a, like a love, like I'm, I'm like an arrogant, like it was a very like humble love for myself and for other people. And, you know, I've been on this journey since then of really discovering, okay, well, what's on the other side of this. And, you know, it's during that time period that I, that I realized like my path is going back and helping people that were stuck in places like I was back in like 2011, 2012, 2013, like during those times. And, you know, I just said, Hey, I'm going to find those people that, that they necessarily don't have people that are helping them today. They don't know where to go. They're trapped by their businesses. They they're working hard. They're building something, something successful, but they're losing parts of their life in this process. And that's kind of how the whole transformation came about where I launched Berkflow. So I'd, I want to I want to get into that bird flow as far as um, I have some some other questions and maybe in your answer as far as to that to the bird flow explain like what is bird flow what you're doing today but also to the uh, you know and think about this is like take this as a secondary kind of question you you mentioned now in 2016 that that grinder that uh, leadership and you cried more and you developed this humble love uh, for yourself but it was like what led to that, that, that crying, was it a way that they, people were giving you feedback or is it, you know, other leaders were there people just saying, Hey, Dirk, you're an asshole. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> what led up to you? Know, like, it was like, you know, it wasn't your own self-reflection that led to that. No, uh, there, there was a it, moment, there was a moment that led to it. Okay. And first off, I, I think for the most part, I mean, people always liked me, but they were like, they knew that I was very just business. Like I was, um, dude, I wore a suit and tie for like nine years, like nonstop, right? Like at a certain point, it's just like, I was just like, I, I was all business. And like, and, and here's how it kind of played out, right? This is how I realized, like when I was in Maryland, like, like I'd, I'd kind of advanced in my position that um, I wasn't really having conversations with people that wanted to get into real estate anymore, or like new agents, stuff like that. I kind of had a threshold that you had to be over a certain you know, dollar amount of producer before I talk to you uh, and spend time with you. Same thing with like coaching. My job was to coach the top 20% of producers in our office and recruit the top 20% of producers in our market to our office. So that was my job. And there's a lot of really high level agents in, in Maryland, like ridiculous amounts of transactions. Some of the biggest agents in the world are in Maryland. So on a very regular basis now, I was, you know, meeting with like agents that were doing like 30, 40, 50, 100, $120 million a year in production. And spending more time with them. And in a business sense, I was very confident in spending time with them. 
Like I knew how to structure their businesses. I knew the downfalls that they were having. I knew how to help them build. I knew how to help them build teams, all that kind of stuff. I was very confident in how it could help them in a business sense. But what happened is like, they would be like, you know, let's go to lunch. And I'd be like, ah, I'm busy. I can't go to lunch. Like, let's just meet at the office, right? Or they'd say, hey, let's go play golf. And I'd be like, ah, I can't really go play golf. You know, it takes too much time. Or they'd say, hey, why don't you and your, your family come over, come over to our house Friday night? And I'd be like, oh man, like I can't do that. And and eventually uh, Mike, the owner of the office came up to me and because he was like, dude, what's going on? And he's like, you know, people want to get to know you and you're not giving them the chance to get to know you. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Like they have my schedule and like they need something with their business. Like, what do they need? I'm here to help them. And he goes, no, they want to like get to know you. And I said, dude, what, like, what are you talking about? And he said, they just want to spend time with you and get to know you. And I said, well, do they need help with their business? Like, what do they need help with? And he was just like, dude, what are you an idiot? Like, they just want to get to know you. And, and, I, and I was like, why? Like, and like all of a sudden, like, and, and he kind of realized that like at the same time that I did, like in a moment, I realized that my perception was that I wasn't worthy to be known at a level of a friend or something outside of business. Like as a CEO, as a trainer, as a coach, as a mentor in business, I was worthy. As a human being, I wasn't worthy. And when that, and it's like this, dude, it's like you've got this like hard shell and a hammer drops and cracks it. And once it starts cracking, there's no stopping it. So that was the process. Like there, there was a moment and like, you know, cause you said too, like your, your transformation came through a moment, right? Like you were sitting on the corner and you were crying, you're, the world is spinning. The reason that we call our training, like our, our, our kind of like our primary training, we call it pivot point. Because there's these moments, and I've talked about a couple of these moments in my life where something shifts and changes and it's ne life's never the same again. That's why we call that training because we go really deep into that. But in that moment when I realized like, I was, uh, like dude, like I just started like tearing up and, and I was like, what is, like, where did that come? Like, and all of a sudden it was just like, it was like a, a version of me. That's why I say I was torn in half. Like a version of me was exposed. Like I was working on this like, this level of not knowing me and operating at this certain level. And like, all of a sudden, like that was like, everything was just foreign all of a sudden. And once something like that is cracked open, it's kind of like handle with care, you know? And, and that's why, you know, I feel so blessed because I had some amazing people around me during that time period that loved me and cared for me through that time period. You know, there was still, you know, there was still a, a high expectation. You got to perform and do all this stuff. And I mean, in 2016, you know, we were one of the fastest growing Keller Williams offices worldwide, you know, all of this stuff. But dude, like, I mean, it was I, I, like that year was the hardest year of my life. Right. I mean, even though that there were these other years that financially were harder and things were happening, but you know, that led that like, that was instrumental. It was a moment that, that then caused, I mean, a hundred you know, hours of conversations to follow up with that and introspection and, and learning and studying and, and, and looking at things differently. So that's what happened, right? I mean, it's, uh, I, I think people always kind of like me and like, you know, uh, you know, but there was never depth. And, and there's this quote that, that I don't know who said this, but like people will hide in conversation where they know that you're not willing to go. And the reason that you won't go where they hide is because in order to go where they hide, you have to be willing to be authentic and vulnerable to go there. 
And that's when I learned that for me to develop a deeper relationship with people, I had to be able to go there, you know, and you know, I mean, I was born and raised in South Africa, dude. And then I came to Texas and I was like on uh, working on farms and ranches and in like cowboy culture, right? So in South Africa, you are raised that, I mean, if a horse kicks you in the face, you don't cry. If your girlfriend breaks up with you, you don't cry. If your dog dies, you do not cry. And that's like, like cowboy culture is very the same thing. So for the majority of my life, like I was raised in this environment that if you're a man, you don't cry. You don't show emotion. You deal with it and you go do something like go to work, do something. Right. So this is the first time in my life that I experienced like something like culturally different to that. And all of a sudden, like I, I reached this level of freedom that even today, man, like I am very comfortable crying with people. Like I can be in a conversation with somebody and I can, I can cry with them. And like, I've got, I don't feel any kind of weird way about it. It doesn't bother me. Like I appreciate that ability to connect. I appreciate the ability to experience emotion and use it and that's what really kind of helped me connect with you know the work that we do in Bergflow and how we work with clients i mean it, it transformed my life like i i'm eternally grateful to you know to mike for that experience right because what what he gave me wasn't like just experience in like running a big big business what he gave me was experience in like how what it means to be a human you know and i, I mean like for that i'll always be grateful that that is an unbelievable story as far as that moment and and I love that analogy and this is exactly what we even started the show about is that you take something like that these these complex human emotions you know your own self worth and how you've built up a, a moat uh, you know a shell and it cracks and now you have this very raw version of who you are and it's you know now for the first time you know, baby birds got to figure out some of these other things and deal with that own, who am I? And that's why I think this is so, so valuable what you're doing. And I mean, it's like, I know we're, we're tied on time to, 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 you know, to dive into what Berg flow, but it's like, you're helping these, these businesses, these one to $10 million kind of service-based businesses. And which are, let's be honest, probably a lot of them are struggling or going through some of these and the same experiences that you had. They had the, that emotional, just work harder, you know, especially in the service industry, the blue collar, I just work harder, but it's not actually about working harder. It's about putting in the right systems, you know, the light legion, building the right team, building and hiring the right team to do that. But then it's not all about being transactional, all business. And that who are you as a human? And so to me is that it's that through line of your story that is what you're doing today in Bergflow that I so, so much appreciate. And so I'd like to actually, you know, spend a, few, a couple minutes on like what you do with like your, 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 your pivot uh, point in your pivot conference. And like, what is it that you do in that, from that context and that framework in those couple of days? Cause I think you have one coming up in, uh, in March or something like that. So spend a couple minutes, just kind of going through like how you help even your own story and convey that and help some of these others in where they are today. I think one of the things that most people don't realize is that there, there's a clear framework for success, right? And, and I think like people that study their craft that really go deep in things and, and, and go on a journey, experience that they, they realize that there's a framework for success. No, no different than like you and investing in, in the projects you're doing and all that kind of stuff. It's like over time you get better at it, it gets easier. Right. So what we've looked at is, okay, 
from everything that I've learned and from working with companies and my own journey and everything, like what is the framework to help rapidly grow uh, a company and, and succeed faster, right? Because we there's people that has taken 20 years to build a $2 million company. And then now there's people that has taken like three or four years to build a $2 million company. So what's different? And we start off with the premise of really understanding that the way that you think is the number one you know, thing that determines everybody, everything, right? Your, your perception of yourself, of others, of the world, of your opportunity, your perception of what you deserve and what you don't deserve. And then the level of clarity around what do you actually want? What does that look like? So we spent a lot of time, uh, like we call it a two-day deep dive workshop because we spent a lot of time going through those things on day one and really helping people start getting clear. And the reason we call it pivot point is because we tell people like your head's going to spin but by the time that this, this conference is over and you're going to leave here looking at things differently. So day one is really about that internal exploration and really looking at those things. Like what are those limiting beliefs? Like what are those things just like me? Like one of my big ones was like I was not worthy to be known and to be accepted by successful and wealthy people. And by the way, once I let that go and – I let go of the fear of being around really successful people. Within 18 months of that, I was the CEO of GoBundance. I was the CEO of an organization that was for millionaire entrepreneurs. Before that, that never would have happened, right? So sometimes all it is, is a belief system that you need to let go of that immediately catapults you to the next level. So we talk about that and we actually have framework for how to understand it, how to use it. Day two is all about now, okay, with this new belief system that you can go out and build the business that you really want, what is the tactical side of business? What's the framework for a service-based company, the structure, the economics? How, like, What's the right team structure? Who do you need to hire in what positions? And we've dialed this in where we lay it all out and you can sit there and you can see exactly, okay, if I'm a $1 million company and want to go to five or I'm a $6 million company and want to go to 10, what do I need to be doing right now? What's my framework like compared to where I need to be? Who am I missing in my world? And that gives you the, the actionable framework to now move that forward to where you can immediately start making changes, right? So that's really the beginning of, of, of our world. And we tell everybody like, look, if you're considering working with Barclow, it's a really good idea to come to Pivot Point, spend two days with us, see what we do. You're going to walk away with a ton of value that you can immediately implement. And then if you choose to want to work with us so that we can actually help you implement it all and really help you grow your business fast, you can you can look at doing that then. But that's what Pivot Point's about. And like the big thing that I'm concerned with in that, that training is, you know, when somebody leaves here, can I have authentically and genuinely helped them shift their thinking two or three degrees, but it sticks, Right. So I don't want people to come in there and feel like, oh, like I'm going to change everything. And then two weeks later, nothing changes and they're right back to where they were. Like, I want to make sure that the, the degree of change is a solid one, two, three, four click degree change that sticks. Like after that, like you can't be undone anymore. And that's like those moments where like I've shared my story. You, you mentioned your story. When you have a moment like that where something clicks so hard it can't be unclicked, then automatically you're on a different path. You're no longer on the same path that you were. And that's what we, we look for in that. And I mean, it's specifically to, you know, for business owners, right? So day one is, is very much on the personal side, on the human development side, understanding you, understanding your people kind of thing. Day two is all about the tactical things that you need to do 
in a business to really take it from one to 10 million or 10 million plus. So that's what uh, Pivot Point is. And that's, that's going to be in the Dallas area, March 9th and 10th. And you can learn more about that at bergflow.com, B-E-R-G-F-L-O-W.com. Well, I, I, I do want to make sure, I mean, honestly, I think I could talk to you for hours and hours and, you know, and maybe we actually have to do a, like a part two of this and dive a little bit more into, you know, the nuance of what you're doing within Bergflow and, and, you know, dive deeper. I wanted to ask one of the things, and I, I think I already know the answer um, because of uh, we've had, you know, some of these common questions and shared out there, but what is the one thing that you've invested into that's given you back the most time? Yeah, for me, the one thing that I've learned is if you can invest in the right people and help them develop and succeed, you will have more time back than you ever have. And I mean, you know, when, when we look at wealth building, because I know that's a big part of your, your audience and, and, you know, what you do. You know, you know, you're you're a big real estate guy, right? But I mean, if you look at the the wealthiest people on the planet, they're business people. They they build businesses, and and essentially, a business is systems, processes, and people. But you can have all the systems and processes if you don't have the right people, you're done with. So I think like one of the things that you got to focus on if you really want to build wealth, and the thing that I've I've I know that there's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, you, you, your listeners have, have probably heard some incredible stories, but. For me, one of the greatest opportunities is to learn how to hire the right people and then how let them do their thing, like pour into them, develop them, but don't try to micromanage them. Don't try to tell them what to do. Like let them do their thing. Hire people that are going to be self-managed and where they're going to do their thing, where they're excited about it and you're just helping them succeed, right? It's just like, what's your media guy's name? Elijah. Elijah. Yeah, Elijah, right? Like Elijah, you could tell like that dude, he loves what he does, right? I mean, just in a short conversation before we started the recording, you know, you could tell like, I mean, he he's trying stuff, he's bringing recommendations, he's doing these kind of things. Like you don't have to like prod him with a cattle prod to like get him going, right? He's probably like telling you like, let's try this and let's do that because he loves what he does, right? When you hire great people, they can do great things for you. And if you pour into them and you and you let them use their creativity and their inspiration and you just like move obstacles out of their way and then you hire other people and you teach them how to work as a team together, then you can accomplish some incredible things in this world. So for me, it's 100% like freedom, wealth building, all that stuff is 100% related for me to people and understanding how to, how to build great teams. Man, I, I love this interview, Dirk. Thank you for being you being the, the, the real you. And, and I think every time uh, I get a chance to, to hang out with you, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, share more of that re- reveal the, the person and the caring person that you are as a whole. And, uh, and I, I just want to express gratitude for, you know, you expressing that out, sharing that out there, sharing those, those vulnerable moments that were pivotal for you. And I, I think it's also very, very valuable for a lot of other people that, you know, sometimes suffer in silence and to, to hear that and to hear the tough South African cowboy, you know, get shit done guy also sometimes sits down and, and, and will cry and, you know, express that and feel that. And that's actually real um, because there's many, many times that people, you know, want to, 
push that down. And so giving, sharing your story gives a lot of permission and authenticity to others. And I think that is incredibly valuable. And thank you for uh, doing that and sharing that out with the, the audience and to the greater world, because I think it does actually make a difference. Yeah, Jake, uh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for that. And uh, just appreciate the time to hang out with you on this podcast and just be able to share my story and um, just appreciate your your friendship as well and uh, looking forward to continue to build the relationship. So thank you so much. Last thing, how where can people find you? Uh, social media, what's one ask of that? You know, uh, obviously everybody sign up for Pivot uh, Point in March, March 9th and 10th in the Dallas area. Um, but where can they find you and what is that that ask of the audience? Yeah, so um, you can find me at Dirk Van Reenen on Instagram. Um, but one thing that's kind of fun that, uh, that I love doing and probably the best place to ever, if you want to hang out with me is go to marisadventure.com, M-E-R-U-S adventure.com at Maris Adventure on, on Instagram. Uh, we do own the largest, uh, outdoor adventure park in the state of Texas. And, um, when I'm not team building and doing those things, I'm hanging out off-roading, hiking at, uh, in Paldor Canyon, um, so that's a that's a good way to kind of see what also one of the projects that we're working on. And uh, I'm a huge outdoorsman, so I always tell people like, "Hey, if you want to hang out, let's go to Maris and hang out there." Which, by the way, you're you're going to be due for a trip soon as well. That is true, and, and that, we didn't even get to scratch that. That was like, and that's one of the the coolest things. And I shared that with somebody else. It's it's like. 5,500, 6,500 acres or something like that. Uh, and it's unbelievable. Some of the most beautiful parts of Texas, uh, uh, I think is. So check that out, everybody. Thank you very much, Dirk. And I appreciate you. And welcome to the Passive Wealth Principles family. Yeah, appreciate it, Jake. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.realestate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.